Well, I don't know if any of you are like me, and I really hate to admit this, but I've always had an unhealthy fascination with time management. If you ask my family, they will probably tell you that I'm big at writing things down, creating checklists, and tinkering with systems to see if I can add a few more minutes to my day. I think I've tried every productivity app known to man and am more obsessed than I care to admit. And between us this morning, I may need some help. I've created a false sense of security, thinking that maybe I'm smarter, wiser, I work harder, or am able to do more with my time than the next guy. But is being productive really that important? Do a few more minutes in my day really mean that I'm making the best use of the time that God has given me? Well, if you have been with us over the past month, you will know that we've been in a series called A Theology for Stewardship, where we have been digging into God's principles that stewardship is much more than giving money to the church. Stewardship is an understanding that God owns all, and it is our responsibility to use the time, talents, and treasures to further his kingdom. We looked at the creation story and saw how God created humankind to be stewards over all creation. We learned that a steward is a faithful manager responsible for caring for the matter that matters to God. And then we examined the topic of talents, that we were uniquely created to serve God and his plan for creation, that we are to use our life, our work, and the talents that God has given us to declare his glory and bring his people into relationship with him. And last week we learned that financial stewardship is not about how much we give, but it is about our heart. We saw two extremes where David and the widow were on opposite ends of the spectrum and how God worked in both their lives to show us God's thoughts about stuff. And if you missed any of these uh, over the past few weeks, I encourage you to go to our website or maybe take a listen on our podcast and maybe catch up there as well. And today we want to look at time. I think many of you would agree that we live in a world that moves at breakneck speed. We are constantly bombarded by busyness and we are pursued by way too many cable and streaming choices, technology, the things of this world that are supposed to make our lives comfortable in so many ways. But if we stop and think about it, it's not difficult to argue that we are the most comfortable, most informed, most privileged human beings that have ever lived. And yet the things designed to help us also distract us preoccupy us and make us numb to the fact that time is quickly passing us by. We see in scripture how Jesus reacted to time. We see that Jesus never rushed. He was usually busy, but he found time to pray. His ministry was accomplished in three short years, but he found time to play with children, to rest beside a well, to attend a wedding reception and be in relationship with others. Scripture doesn't say, if you hurry, you can catch up with God, but it does say, be still and know that I am God. Jesus does not say, join up with me and we will work 60 hours a week. But Jesus does say, 
Come to me, all ye who are weary, and I will give you rest. Just like our talents and treasures, God wants us to invest the gifts that he has so given us. He longs for us to step back from the craziness of this world and find time to help him build his church, to take care of those less fortunate, and to love others. Let's listen to how Psalm 90 says it. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has gone by or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. And then now verse 10. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. If only we knew the power of your anger, your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Time is a precious resource. It's perishable and irreplaceable. You can't push pause or rewind or fast forward. In God's grace, God has given us all the same amount, 24 hours in a day. And the quality and impact of our lives is directly related to how wisely we use the time that we have. Pastor and author A.W. Tozer says it this way, God never hurries. There are no deadlines against which he must work. Only to know this is to quiet our spirits and relax our nerves. Moses beautifully opens this psalm with a clear contrast that God is eternal and everlasting and man is temporary and created. These verses establish that God is beyond time and universe he has no origin or creation. Psalm 90 is also, also said to have been written by Moses, which sounds kind of strange because we typically associate David with many of the Psalms. Verse 2 says that from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. He is not like us. He had no beginning. God is eternal. He is not limited to time, but he is over it all. For him... A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by or like a watch in the night. In comparison, how different are our lives? They're short. The psalmist says that we may journey through life for 70 years and we may live and breathe 80 years. But the point is, is that our lives aren't that long. God is the one who gives us life and ultimately takes it away. He speaks through his words. And it is through his word that we recognize and hear his voice. We hear Moses' plea, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Moses humbles himself and recognizes that he needs God to show him the way. He needs God to give him wisdom. This plea is an urgent request for the Israelites to wake up and realize that life is short in comparison to God's eternal being. And this same appeal is vital for us today so that we don't mistakenly or arrogantly overlook the brevity of our lives 
and God's ownership over all. The opposite of wisdom is foolishness. And only a foolish person thinks that life goes on forever. That there is plenty of time to get to know God. To believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why hurry? What's the rush? We're young, strong, healthy. Life is good. And trouble seems far, far away. So why worry about the number of days? What's the big deal with time? We often see that with our kids, don't we? When we're sitting at the dinner table with our daughter and she says something so profound that you look around, it makes you stop and think, where did that come from? Or maybe you go to a restaurant and your son orders the T-bone steak instead of the junior burger and fries. These sudden life prompts cause us to ask, where did the time go? We see it in our jobs and careers. We see it when we look in the mirror. But the psalm tells us that all is not lost. There is hope. It is possible for us to learn to number our days so that we have a fruitful and prosperous life in 70 years or more if we are lucky. God wants us to seek his heart so that we can realize his intention for our lives. Well, I know this is kind of heavy stuff to think about, isn't it? And I really don't mean to be a downer this morning, but life became real for me uh, over the last couple of months when my wife and I began updating our wills. Our attorney asked us a number of questions that made me realize, despite my own belief, belief of immortality, that I won't live forever. Her questions helped me pause to look across all areas of my life and wonder if I was really being a good steward with the time that God has given me. Wise King David tells us, let me understand my end and how brief my earthly existence is. Help me realize my life is fleeting. You have determined the length of my days and my life is nothing compared to you. Even the longest life is only a breath. And James says it this way. Why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. If you're saying to yourself, hey, you don't, you don't know my life. I work and have kids and parents that I have to deal with. There's so much going on right now. I know and I can relate as I have lived and sometimes still live this same life. The best example that I know of how to slow down and manage time when life gets out of control is to look at how Christ dealt with these pressures. Jesus uniquely maintained the balance between worship and prayer and family and friends. Even with all the demands placed on him, he maintained an intimate relationship with God and a clear focus on his life task. He is our model. He was so strategic in how he measured time. These practices helped him put everything in perspective. First, he guarded his devotional life. Jesus regularly spent time in prayer, studying scripture, especially during periods of intense activity. After a long evening that extended after sunset, we read, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. He prayed regularly, 
especially before important decisions, like when he chose his disciples, fed 5,000, and before he was arrested. We see that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. The more he worked, the more he prayed. He was acutely aware that he needed to spend time with God to refresh himself. I wonder in the back of my mind if the delays, the waiting on hold with call centers, the traffic hangups, the frustration I sometimes feel when the person at the grocery store has 20 items in the 15 item line as intentionally placed moments of an opportunity for me to pray. I wonder if that's really the case. Jesus was also not driven by the expectations of others. Everyone had their own agenda for Jesus. His family wanted him to slow down because they were embarrassed by the intention he was attracting. But the crowds wanted to make him a king. The zealots wanted him to lead a revolution. And the Pharisees wanted him to shut up. And the sick wanted to be healed. Despite all of these pressures that he experienced, Jesus did not let the demands from others control how he spent his time. Jesus also equipped others. Jesus did not feel that he had to meet all the needs of the world by himself. Throughout his entire ministry, he probably traveled no further than a couple of hundred miles from the place he was born. His strategy was not to do all the work himself, but to devote his time to equipping others. We should consider how we can multiply the talent that God has uniquely given us by involving others. If we are given a choice between doing something ourselves or teaching someone else to do it, we should go for the latter. Jesus was effective and his effectiveness in these areas kept him from being bogged down and allowed him to stay refreshed and commune with God. Equipping is a key to our mission of being a disciple-making disciple church. For us to be sent and gathered, to be the church that God has called us to be, we must be equipped. But equipping takes time and sacrifice. We must invest wisely in our lives in a way that makes a difference in God's kingdom. Our church offers a number of ways that you can become equipped. There are classes throughout the week in person or on Zoom where all you have to do is show up. This past week, I was talking with a group of men that I've been meeting with since 2004 and asked them about God's impact of time in their lives, how they became involved in the work of God's church. Like me, they had a similar story. Most of them said that when they were younger, they had no time because of kids and travel and working on their career. They also said that they didn't feel too comfortable or had a lot of experience in helping at church. They reflected that somehow God gave them opportunities to dip their toe into the water and see what it was like. And one thing led to another. Relationships developed. Opportunities presented themselves. God's grace and mercy prevailed in their lives and their initial entry point in the church soon grew into a hunger to learn more about God's word. Our session desperately wants First Pres to be equipped and grow as disciples for Jesus in our community and in the world. To learn more about God's word, 
to fully understand what it means to be biblically literate, spiritually formed, mission focused, and gospel fluent. They recently spent a weekend in October working on a long-term strategy of discipleship. And this strategy will include an assessment, just really a list of reflective questions that can be taken every year if you like. It's personal only to you, no one else will see it, and it is is designed to give you an idea of where you stand in the key areas of being a disciple. Once this initial assessment is complete, you can talk to a pastor or staff member to help you find ways to dip your toe a little more into the water. The assessment is in its final stages and will be available soon for everyone. Friends, time is the great equalizer. We all have different gifts given to us from God and varying degrees of financial resources, but we don't always have the same amount of time in God's kingdom. Please hear me and know that I understand that we all lead very busy lives, and that's okay. God's love for us is so great, and all he wants to do is to share his love that he so generally gives us. He longs for relationship. He fully desires our hearts. He wants us not to push him away because we are too busy with the temporal things of this world. He wants his church to grow. He wants us to love others, to tell others about his son and the grace and mercy that he has shown us. But for this to occur, we have to do our part. We have to carve out time and place for God and put him in place for his rightful position, which is Lord over all. There's plenty of time and opportunity to invest in God's kingdom right here at First Pres, and seniority is not a prerequisite. Do you like talking to people? We have volunteers that answer our phones and are so important to our office each and every day. And our hospitality team is always looking for fresh, new, friendly faces. Did God God give you a knack for numbers or do you like to fix stuff? Boy, do we have a place for you. Is God calling you to give a portion of your time investing in our future generations? We have amazing children's and student ministries. Are you interested in learning more about God's word? Our Sunday school classes and women's circles throughout the week are top notch. Friends, we must keep at the forefront of our mind two commandments from Jesus to go and make disciples of the world and to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind. If we make these two foundational truths a priority in our lives, it helps us to keep first things first. God preordained the things that he wants us to do. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. My prayer for us this morning is that we all spend a few moments and reflect on how we can best use the time that God has so generously given us in a way that glorifies our creator. And to remember that life is short, his love abounds, he owns it all anyway, and his grace is sufficient. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for our lives. We thank you for every breath that we take and for your love for us. Be with us as we examine this resource of time in our lives and lead us to your mission field so that we can share your good news 
and name with others. In Christ's name we pray, amen.